0: How's everybody feeling, (laughs) feeling good? Man, well, we are gonna have some fun. How many of you were here last week when we did our baptism bash slash celebration service? Uh, It was so cool. Hey, and just by the way, to be here on OU Texas weekend, you know, I'm so sorry that we didn't win. Um, Don't hiss if you went to A&M, all right? We know you're here. You didn't win either, all right? um, but Baylor won. I just going to say, I'm just going to throw it out there. Just, yeah. We're quietly 6-0. and oh, I'm just saying. God's team is back. Um, we showed a video that I want to make sure that if you didn't see it, that you go to our YouTube channel and check it out because it tells a bit of our story of how we got here. And there's something about looking back, right? that just encourages you when you remember how faithful God has been, when you remember how good God has been throughout the journey, it stirs you to believe for even more. It, it like puts faith and hope in your heart that like, wow, God, if you were able to do that, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do in the next five years? And so we all want to be kind of launching in to this October, November uh, season, not just with sweatshirts on, but with full hearts on, all right? And so let's kind of take time, if you haven't, to watch that video. Let God stir your heart um, for what he has done as we look with expectation at what he is going to do as we move forward. I want to let you know a couple of things. The first is, is that next week, Liz and I will not be here. We will actually be leaving for for Budapest, Hungary, in a couple of days to be with our uh, field staff that is in that side of the world, not just the field staff that are from here at Antioch Austin, but also all the Antioch workers from that side of the world are coming together in Budapest, and it's going to be a phenomenal time of ministering to them, bringing fresh vision and strategy to them. So I just want to encourage you to pray for us, pray for our team, that we would actually be able to be what our team's need, right? Like they are doing amazing things around the world and we get these moments where we get to go in and we get to be hope and life and give them promises and pray for them and come around them. And we're believing that those days that we're together are gonna be significant, not just for them, but also for us. But don't let your hearts be troubled because although we will not be here next week, there is a guest preacher in the house. She is one of the most powerful communicators of her generation. She's an incredible leader. She's hilariously funny. She is my daughter's idol. Her name is Madison Eccles, and you are not going to want to miss her, all right? And uh, it is going to be so fun uh, to have her here preaching. So invite your friends. You will be blessed. They will be blessed. Um, And I will be back on the 27th. Actually, get in the night of the 26th and we'll be standing right on this stage the morning of the 27th to tie up our series that we're calling Mid-Flight Chaos, Mid-Flight Chaos. The reason why we're calling this series Mid-Flight Chaos is because life often feels chaotic. And there's a scripture in Isaiah 34, verse 4, that really is the birthplace of this series of talks that we're going to be in over the next couple of weeks. And it says this, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Can I say that again? Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. We are living in an anxiety epidemic. Anxiety seems to come for us all. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't seem to matter how much money you have in your bank account. It doesn't seem to matter what career path you are on. None of us can hide from the impact of anxiety. Unlike any other time, it seems in culture, sometimes I think we're just a little bit more advanced in understanding what is happening. And so we say things like that, like it's never been this bad. And I think probably it's always been this bad. We just have like a name for it that we say. And back in the day, they probably said, it's never been as bad as this. And we just changed the name, right? But the fact is, is that I have not had a conversation with a human in my 38 years of life where they look me in the face and say, You know what? I've never been anxious. I've never been fearful. It's not my deal. I don't struggle with that. Go pray for somebody else. No, no one has ever said that. Like anxiety seems to come for us all. And so I've titled this talk, When Anxiety Attacks. When Anxiety Attacks. Can we just pray together? Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your hope. Thank you, Jesus, that the haze machine spontaneously came on to add a real spiritual effect to my intro. And Lord, we're asking that that would just be a sign of things to come, that you would surprise us with amazingness and revelation that's going to bring transformation in our hearts and through our lives. And the whole house said super loud because they were excited to be at church. I want to start... With a little bit of a confession, is that cool? Can I get vulnerable with you this morning? Is that Are you guys comfortable with that? Now, now, my hope and my prayer is that as I get real with you, that you don't change the way that you see me. Can we do that? Can you still see me as like a a man, you know, like a bro, like a dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, like a a courageous warrior. All right. That's what I, that's what I want you to believe about me. Can you, can we, can we just stay there? All right. Even though I'm about to tell you some things about me, like, can that just stay in your mind? Because here's what I need to let you know. I don't do scary. Like I really don't do scary. I hate scary. I hate the month of October because of this whole scare. I hate Halloween. All right. Like I hate it. I hate everything about it. Dressing up, You know, you do you. Right. Get some candy. That's cool. But why is it got to be scary? Like, why? Why does everywhere that I go have to have scary pictures? Why does the grocery store got to be playing scary movies? Like, I don't like scary. I made it through my whole life with dodging scary. Right. Like I, I, I never saw scary movies. But why? Like, why would you pay money to be scared? Like, I would, ne- I don't understand it. Like, I don't get it at all. I, I, I feel uncomfortable. It just even the thought of being scared. If you want to laugh, jump out of the bushes and yell at me. I'm going to scream. OK, I might even go to the bathroom on myself. Like, I don't do scary. Like, the other side of me is, is that I love to scare you, though. Like, I love to scare others. Just don't scare me. All right. Like, but but the fact is, is that I I dodged all things scary, made it all the way to college, like never really saw any type of scary movie. And then I started dating this girl. Okay, not my wife. This one didn't work out like this was a mistake from the beginning. And I should have known when she invited me over to her place to watch a scary movie that should have been a sign. This is going nowhere. And so, look, I'll be honest with you. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had never really done scary movies before. And so I'm like, OK, look, it's going to be so fake. It's you know, I just have to keep telling myself this is not real. You know, but of course, like I just started dating this girl. I'm trying to be all macho about it. Like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Like, let's you know, let's watch a scary movie. I'm cool with that. What's up? You know, like throwing some little fake gang signs like I'm hard. You know, what I'm saying like I'm from Houston. And so we go over to her place, right? And she puts on this movie, and I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. One, because I'm embarrassed I watched it. Two, because I've been told by people that watch scary movies that it's not even scary. All right, so I'm embarrassed on multiple levels. Okay, so I am sitting down, and the movie comes on, and like T minus 60 seconds in, my eyes close. I'm like, no, I'm not here right now. I'm not watching this. I'm plugging my ears. I'm hugging a pillow. Like, for real, I still don't know what the movie is about. I closed my eyes for probably 80% of the movie, all right? Like, I didn't watch it at all. Like, I, I peeked every once in a while. I was like, no, no, no. And I would close my eyes again. Like, I, I just, I could not make it. But here's the thing. Since I had never really watched a scary movie, and although I only watched, like, 20%, maybe more like 10% of a scary movie. What I didn't know is that the fear does not remain on the couch after the movie is over. I didn't know this, right? Now, I had left this girl's apartment 100 times before, never feared for my life walking from the door to my car, Not one time, never one time looked at the bushes that were behind the parking lot with fear and trembling, thinking that there were gremlins in there that were about to come eat me. Never once did I take off in a full sprint like I was in the movie, fumbling my keys in my hands, trying to dive into my truck and start the car and then peel out of the parking lot like somebody was chasing me, like something jumped on me when I was walking watching that movie and it didn't let go. I was driving home, every car that came behind me, I was convinced they were following me. That they were going to come to my house. They were scouting me out. Like, "Oh my gosh, the fact is is that nobody was out to get me that night. Nobody was out to chase me, to scare me, to harm me, but man, it sure felt like it." It sure felt like it because something jumped on. I caught a thought in that movie that began to distort my reality. You know, anxiety jumps on me the exact same way. You ever just been walking down the street and then all of a sudden, bam, it's like this thought jumps on you and then it comes with this like, deep pitted dread and fear and what's going to happen to me and what's going to happen to them and 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 how are we going to make it and is it going to be okay and are they healthy I mean it can come from anything you could see a picture you can get a text message you could have a memory and then all of the sudden what you are feeling Feeling what you are experiencing, that seed, that anxious thought jumps on you. You catch that thought and it begins to change how you are experiencing your reality. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Like there is something that happens to us when we catch these thoughts of anxiety. And although nothing is probably going to happen, It sure does feel like it. It sure does feel real. It sure does feel true. It sure is all-consuming like something is wrong. And that is exactly what anxious thoughts do. Anxious thoughts steal truth from us. Anxious thoughts steal truth from us. Look, I I wish I was as good at catching people's names as I was at catching anxious thoughts. If I still don't know your name, I'm so sorry. I'm trying. But man, I don't seem to have any problem remembering anxious thoughts. Remembering anxious moments. Because those anxious thoughts that jump on us, that that we seem to catch, those thoughts that we catch, they begin to steal truth from us. And what I want to do this morning is I want to jump into a passage of Scripture today that shows us not just that we are all as humanity vulnerable to these places of anxiety and fear that seem to jump on us, but also... I want us to see the provision of God for us in these places of anxiety. Because hear me, church, when God created you, he created you with peace in mind. When God created you, he created you with rest in mind with provision in mind, with a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. And there is an enemy that is trying to seed thoughts that are going to steal that truth from us. So instead of feeling the security of the confidence that comes in knowing the God that we serve, we become overwhelmed at what might happen. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you were here a couple of weeks ago in our There Is More series, we looked at 1 Kings chapter 18. And the reason why I felt it very significant that we would use First Kings chapter 19 to look at the impact of catching anxious thoughts on our lives is because I feel that we have a good understanding of the character who is in this passage, Elijah, as he is walking out of a great victory in 1 Kings 18. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah, the man that is in our story this morning, literally had so much confidence in God, so much confidence in the provision of God, that not only did he challenge King Ahab and all of the prophets of the gods that they were serving and building idols to within the temple, he trash talked them as they were praying to their God. He was shouting them down, saying, yo, maybe your God is asleep. Try to wake him up. Get a few more people to holler at him. And then maybe he'll answer your prayer. Right. And then we saw that God was faithful to consume the altar that Elijah had built for God to come to demonstrate his power to the people. right. That is what happened in First Kings 18. And not only did he win the showdown of the deities. The part of the story that we didn't get into last week is that after God came in power, Elijah looked at everybody who was with him and said, you see all those prophets, let's go destroy them. And so they whooped up Those dudes, they went and picked a fight, killed them. The Bible even says slaughtered them. Read it like they went for it. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that there was no fear in him in first Kings 18. He was confident. He was filled with faith. He was filled with expectation. And it did not matter that he was alone. He knew that he wasn't alone. It didn't matter that there were 800 prophets trying to awaken these false gods to do something to demonstrate their power. And he stood by himself and prayed a simple prayer. God, come reveal yourself to these people. And God showed up in power and in might. This is what happened in First Kings 18. But then chapter 19 chapter 19 King Ahab goes and tells his wife Jezebel who had been hunting the prophets of the one true God killing them manipulating them and ruining their lives King Ahab goes to her and says this is what happened all of the prophets are dead And Elijah and his God has won. And it says this in verse 2. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me be ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Now verse 3 It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He was afraid and he ran for his life. Isn't it amazing how we can see maybe the greatest victories we could have even imagined and in a matter of minutes, we can find ourselves fighting to survive in our minds. We can see God provide for us. We can see God do amazing things in front of us. And as soon as opposition shows up, we begin to question if God is even for us, if God is. With us. Look, they could probably still smell the smoldering altar in the air. This is moments after God had showed up and showed off, defended, provided for, and fought for Elijah, and he caught a thought. He caught a thought, someone seated a fear in his heart and in his mind. And all of a sudden, everything that he had seen God do, all the greatness that he knew that God had in store for him and the people of Israel were forgotten. And he was afraid and ran for his life. Here's here's what's amazing is that what anxiety does is it doesn't just steal truth from us. It robs us from being able to walk in the community that God has for us. Because watch out. Check this out. It says, Elijah was afraid, verse 3, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant. The guy that was with him, the guy that had his back, his comrade, his best friend, he left his servant. And it says this, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. You see this, when unchecked anxiety does this to us, we will isolate ourselves from community and we will find ourselves in a dry, lonely place. When you catch a thought that is causing anxiety and fear to rise up within you, then it is going to pull you from community. It's not going to push you into community. So anxiety is a double-edged sword, meaning that it will rob you from the peace that God has given you on the inside, and it will pull you from the life source that God has plugged you into on the outside. So we have to understand that this onslaught of anxiety and anxious thoughts is not just to rob us of our peace, but it's to rob us of our authority and power as the church. Because if we're an anxious church, we're an isolated church. We will find ourselves in a lonely, dry place. We will leave those who have been walking with us, believing with us, fighting alongside us. We will leave them and we will continue on alone because we think that there's no hope for us and there's no hope for them. Not because it's real, but because we caught a thought. We caught a thought that is bringing up fear and desperation and depression. And look, let me just side note an addendum here. I'm not belittling the fact that anxiety is a real disorder that people struggle with. In my own life, anxiety is not something that I've just been able to bootstrap myself out of. There's real help that's needed, counseling. There's real help, even medication for some of you. And God uses all of it to bring restoration. But what I want us to understand this morning is that when our brains are swirling, when we get these thoughts that jump into our minds, we don't just have to hope that we can survive. God has made a way out. He's made a way out from the places of depression and fear. We don't just have to try to make it. There is a offensive position that we can take in it. And Elijah was a man that on Monday was fighting the enemies of God and he caught a thought. And on a Tuesday, he's running for his life. Alone, desperate by himself, not because he had anything to fear, but he caught a thought that seeded fear in him. You know, where this really hits me, if I'm going to be really vulnerable with you this morning, where this really hits me is in my finances. You know, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of money. My parents didn't have a whole lot of money. Their parents didn't have a whole lot of money. I didn't grow up with extra But I also didn't grow up hungry. But along the way, I I believed that there had to be more, right? Like, surely this isn't all that there is. And so Liz and I have tried to be diligent throughout our marriage to be wise with our finances and to save what little extra that we have to try to Dave Ramsey our lives, you know, and carry around envelopes and cash and, you know what I'm saying, all the little tricks and stuff like that. And and it seemed like every time we would get any money saved up in our savings account, something catastrophic out of the blue would happen and all of that we had saved up is now evaporate and we're back down to zero man we would be like oh wow it would we stopped even congratulating we'd set these benchmarks like oh we made it we got thousand dollars in the bank high five and we stopped even doing that because it seemed like as soon as we said it boom someone goes to the doctor thousand bucks and you're like dang it are we ever going to be able to get ahead of this thing you know like We're doing everything we can, living on a budget, trying to save, do the right things. I remember, man, it would wake me up in the middle of the night. Does anybody else, is there anybody else's anxiety tied to their bladder? (laughs) You know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you go to the bathroom and then all of a sudden you can't go back to sleep because your mind's just like, Man, look, and, and that's what was happening to me is like I wake up in the middle of the night. and My mind is just like racing and I lay in bed and looking at the ceiling and I'm like, God, look how I don't have any money for retirement. I don't have a retirement plan. I'm a pastor. Look, this is like I'm never going to really make any money. Like how in the world is it? You know how you just get in that. 'cause that's what anxiety does, right? Anxiety pulls you from truth and consumes you with fear. And so you're just looping and then all of a sudden I'm laying in bed in a house at this point in Seattle well taken care of, all right? And I'm like it's not like we're not going to eat in the morning, but in my mind what it feels like is my kids are homeless. We've got no resources. We're going to be evicted. That's what feels that's what it feels like. I'm laying in bed. And I remember just being like, God, like, (laughs) what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to be wise. i memorize all the scriptures about the ants storing up food in the winter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like. I did it all, like I'm tithing, I'm doing, and it's just like, I just feel like I'm not gonna make it, we're not gonna make it, and there was this deep fear, like retirement's coming. I was 20 at the time. It's like, retirement's coming, you got nothing planned for retirement, man. Like, you're gonna be out on the street, bro. I remember being like, God, you gotta help. You gotta help me. Like, I, I do not know what even to pray. You know, because anxiety can feel so real and so, it just so ridiculous at the same time. You ever chuckled at your own fear? Oh, yo, man, all the time. I'm chuckling at my own fear. Just like, I can't believe I'm freaked out about this, but I'm freaked out about this. Like I, I remember that night God spoke to me and he said, J.D., who have I been to you up to this point? Who have I been to you up to this point? And I was like, well, God, you've been faithful. Because he had. He had provided for us miraculously. He had, he had allowed us to have everything that we needed, sometimes more than even what we needed. We were able to be generous at times. Like, God, you've been faithful. You, you've been kind. You've been my portion. You've been my provision. And I just started quoting truth of who God had been to me. And I I just kind of get in this rhythm and I felt like the Holy Spirit interrupted me and he said, is any of that going to change when you get older? Is there something happens at 65 where my goodness and my faithfulness and all of that just stops and it's all about the retirement planning that you did? Is, it, is that how it works? Is it like all that God has been, all of the way that he's provided, all the supernatural things he's allowed us to see, does it just all of a sudden shut down at age 70? And now it's like you got to fight for yourself. You had a good run, but I'm in it for the young people. And God's like, no, I'm the same yesterday, today, today and forever. So if you have seen me to be kind and to provide for you and to give you a place to live and to give you cars to drive, although most of the time our cars don't work very well, we still have them. Then surely God can take care of my kids' education. Surely God can take care of my kids' transportation. Like, is he all of a sudden going to stop being a God of miracles? When we begin to cross over into these different seasons of life, no, he's the same. And watch this. This is exactly what God did for Elijah. Elijah literally wandered around in the desert, found a little bush, a broom bush, a pathetic, pathetic, pathetic. A pathetic little tree. He lied up underneath it. Look, it says he sat down under it. This is verse four. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. And he said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Isn't it amazing how anxiety can pull you so far away from truth that you are like, you know what? Can I just get it out? I can't take it. I can't can't carry this weight anymore. I can't stand up underneath this anymore. Like I can't continue on. And he says this, I just want to lie down under this bush and fall asleep and hope to never wake up ever again. And it says that God came to him. And he made him a little cake. And he woke him up. And he said, hey, I want you to eat some food. And Elijah's like, I don't got any food. He's like, look down. And there's like this little cake that God made. Because God's not Whole30. Can I get an amen? (laughs) God eats meat. And so, and he made this little cake. And he ate it. And then he fell back asleep. And then God woke him up again. And he said, I want you to eat some more. You see, because God wasn't just feeding him because he was hungry. He was reminding him that he was a God who provides for him. You see, when you get so far down that anxious road where you're so lost in the fears of what might happen, in the fears of what you might Experience or the fears of what might happen to your children, or the fears of what might happen to your resources, you forget the truth that our God is is a provider he's always been a provider he's always showed up in miraculous ways to feed his people who are hungry he is always demonstrating his kindness in places of fear to remind us of who he is look if you feel lost in depression and anxiety begin to daily remind yourself who god has been for you In your past start there start with reminding yourself you might just have one thing that you can remember where God showed up for you there was a breakthrough in your family there was a supernatural provision I don't know what it is for you but I know that it is true that every single one of you has experienced God to be himself and when we remember when we take time to remember who God is is it wakes us up from the sleep that anxiety puts us in. And I love what God does is He looks at Elijah, he actually takes him up to a mountain, and he looks at Elijah, and he asks him this question, "What are you doing here?" He actually asks him twice, "What are you doing here?" That question implies that God is saying, you don't have to be here. You didn't have to walk down this road. You didn't have to make your way all the way into the wilderness, into the desert, alone, isolated, fearful, wanting to give up, throw in the towel. God is looking at him saying, why are you here? And then he says, I want you to go back the way you came. Listen to that. I want you to go back the way you came. Look, it, it, can we go a little deeper on this he didn't say go back to where you started he, he didn't say go back to your servant who you left he said I want you to get on the very same path that you were on and I want you to walk back the same way that you walked here go back the way you came do you know that God is faithful to give you everything that you missed on your journey because you couldn't see it because you were anxious. Mm. There is some provision on the road that we can't see when we're living anxiously that God is saying, you didn't miss it. Go back the way that you came so that you can see it. Because guess who he saw on the path in a field plowing Elisha? Elisha was Elijah's inheritance. He would be the prophet who was going to replace him after Elijah died. It was Elisha who had the double portion anointing that everything that Elijah did was nothing compared to what Elisha did. And he was plowing in the field on the way up, but he couldn't see it. But God said, walk back down the same way that you came and you're going to be able to see that I'm a God who's given you a faithful comrade, who's going to go further, who's going to go farther. And the promises that you are living in right now are just the beginning of what I have in store for his life. And I'm not saying that you missed it. I'm saying I want you to go back and get it. I want you to walk back the same way that you came everything that the enemy has tried to steal god wants you to take it back every place in your life where fear and anxiety and depression has tried to steal things from you god is telling you right now go back the way that you came with a peaceful heart and with eyes that are open to the goodness and the provision of God because there are some treasures of provision along the way that God wants to give you that your anxiety caused you to miss. There's some breakthrough. There's some hope. There's There's some forgiveness. There's some new traction, some new ground to be taken. And I love that when God raises up Elijah, he doesn't start new. He multiplies what Elijah had. He he multiplied it because God never allows us to walk through things that don't have a multiplication effect on the backside nothing is wasted nothing is wasted there's not there's not a season in your life you might be thinking i've been so depressed and anxious no good can come from this past season no no no. nothing is wasted god wants to bring a multiplication out of that place that is going to blow your mind there is some fruit that is gonna come from this place that's been marked with anxiety, that is gonna take the kingdom of heaven further and faster and way beyond your ability to even ask, hope, or imagine. Look, I believe that some of us are sitting right next to the very person that is gonna catalyze us into all that God has for us, It's gonna catapult us into a fresh place of hope, a a fresh place of expectation, and all we have to do is have eyes to see who God is so that we can step from the sleep of anxiety and begin to experience the hope of the faithfulness of God. Are you with me? Are you expectant that today changes everything because we're going to remember who God's been, who God has been to us and in remembering who God has been to us, we're going to experience the peace that He has for us. Again, Isaiah 34, verse 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. Be strong. Do not fear your God will come. Can you stand to your feet?